Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. I got like a big little laughing thing I got going on here for a minute. Um, Happy day to all of you. It's a great day. You know, what I love is we're going to do a couple of things today differently. And the first thing we're going to do out of the gate differently is that we actually have a very special guest who has two different books, but they're like so interweaved in their message. And today it's going to be exciting to really chat with him. Many of you have heard me talk about my family and my stepmom side all growing up in the deep South. So you've always heard me say deep South, right? And then you would hear me talk about like, you know, grandma who used to be down there with her potbelly stove and the outhouse. I mean, seriously, my dad like got electric and everything put in her house. But one of the things you've also heard me heal talk about is what happens when traditions are passed down and these traditions don't quite make it to what might be in our pop culture. But for people like grandma, grandpa down there, on the farm, they were healing. Today, Brandon Weston, healer, writer, folklorist, owns and operates Ozark Healing Traditions. It's an online collective of articles, lectures, workshops, anything, anything related to the Ozark Mountain region. Now, if you don't know what that is, you're going to hear from him today. But this is where, when you all hear me talk about the fact And I've said this a couple of times. Have you ever wondered how, as a civilization, like humans, how we actually made it this far? And so you've heard me talk about the fact that up until contemporary pharmaceuticals, I don't know what else to call them, we had to count on nature. And and I wish I could say that there there was a great science to it because if you ever watch my grandma and my grandpa, um, like grandma would just like conjure something up and, you know, you happen to be the guinea pig because if it was something she never conjured up before, you, you got to experience whether it's going to work or not. Now, we never, she never lost anybody. So I'm just going to say that grandma didn't kill anybody. But there were traditions that when you were that close to the land that you learned. Has anybody ever wondered, am I like Brandon and I probably wondered, how did we make it this far? Like, okay, so how did we make it to the point where we were able to heal ourselves without going to the drugstore? How did we do that? That's what today's show is about. But it's from a part of the country we don't talk about enough. 
that's why I've got Brandon joining me here today. And by the way, look, two books, we're going to take them one at a time. I'm not sure which order I have them in, but we're going to talk about two. One is, oh, I so love this word, Ozark Folk Magic. Now, we're going to be able to talk stories on this. What a great book he has put together. And he's got like granny woman in here. So we're like, I'm looking at granny woman. I'm like, is he, did, did he know my grandma? I'm just thinking to myself. And then the other one is this Ozark Martin spell book. And what it means is, look, see my background? See that? That would be the way my grandma's kitchen looked, just saying. But see, we're going to talk about this. But it's all in the spirit of healing. Brandon, great to have you. Thank you for joining me here today. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. I think you put my grandma in your books. Just saying. I, I, was, reading did, yeah. <laughs> I was reading it. Um, look, now, very. I have a very interesting family history. I'm a girl that was raised in the Bronx who had a dad that married a very young woman, 30 years to his youth, who was raised like down there in the deepest, right? The, the pot belly stove to cook and the outhouse. But let's talk about your relationship and heritage to this and what it is that we need to preserve about this knowledge. Because if we don't preserve this, we're going to be out of luck in so many ways. But how about you? What got you tapped into this part of the country? And tell everybody what part of the country we're talking about, please. Yeah, so we're talking about the Ozark Mountain region. It's, uh, it's one of those areas that, you know, always gets placed in the, mids, the Midwest, but it's not quite the Midwest. It kind of isn't quite the Great Plains, Kansas region. It's not quite the Delta. It's not quite the Deep South. <laughs> it nope. just sort of hangs in between all of these places. And it's, it's considered, it's a mountain range, although the mountains that we have aren't geographically true mountains. They're actually, it's a worn down plateau, ancient plateau that was worn down by rivers. So we don't have true mountains like the Rockies, things like that, but we, we still like to call them our Ozark Mountains. So really the region is defined geographically in this way. Uh, if you look all around the Ozarks, up into Missouri, down into South Arkansas, over towards the Delta. It's flatland. It's riverland. It's Great Plains, swampland down towards the Deep South and Louisiana. And so the mountains just sort of rise up out of nowhere. And, you know, it's kind of a nice sight, especially if you're coming across flat Oklahoma or Kansas to see the mountains in the distance just sort of pop up. And because of this sort of geographical weirdness, Ozark people, when they came around the turn of the 19th century, about 1810, um, they came to the land after the forced removal of the Osage to o Oklahoma, and they came from Appalachia, and they came to the Ozarks because the Ozarks were so familiar to them. And so if anybody has been to both Appalachia and the Ozarks, you will know that. The flora, the fauna, the landscape is so similar. So the Ozarks were actually still considered a part of the greater Appalachian cultural region, which means that our traditions, although they have evolved in isolation in the Ozarks over the past 200 years, a lot of our traditions can still be traced back to Appalachian families. Mm -hmm. And of course, Appalachian families being 
mixed European and New World as well. So it's really an amalgam tradition. And for me, you know, I, I grew up an Ozarker. I'm a multi-generational Ozarker. I grew up here on the land. I grew up with family traditions that, you know, I never really thought about. <laughs> um, <laughs> I never, I, you know, I I always wondered why, you know, some of my friends didn't, you know, believe in the same things that I did or didn't have home remedies and things like that. But I never really thought anything of it until I got to college and I encountered one of the big Ozark folklorists of the first part of the 20th century, Vance Randolph. And his Ozark Magic and Folklore, which is still in print, I started reading it. And it was like he was, he had interviewed my family. Yeah. You know, everything he was talking about. So that really got me interested in where I situated myself in the Ozarks, where my family was situated. And then I really got interested in, well, are these practices still around? Is, are these traditions around? Have they been lost? You know, a lot of time has passed between the folklorists that were writing about the Ozarks and now. Almost, I mean, Ozark Magic and Folklore was published in 47. A lot has happened since, you know, 1930s, 1940s. So that has been the biggest part of my, my personal mission is, you know, bringing the Ozarks, specifically healing and magical traditions, into the 21st yeah. century, updating the story that, unfortunately, people haven't really, you know, cared about, I guess, um, yeah. for quite a while. And, you know, what's interesting about this is, honestly, congratulations on your new newest book, um, latest you. book, newest book. I mean, you know, you just like, you've got it all going on. I can't wait to like even your next book. I don't even know what that's going to be about. But this one is about the Mountain Spell book. And the reason I'm so interested in this is my folks, if you just scooch over, like if you're on the map there, you are right there in the middle. And if you just scooch over, there's there's the Clark and the Glover family over there hanging out. But the reason I'm familiar with the Ozark, I wonder if I'm allowed to admit this on air. The reason I'm so familiar with it is grandma and grandpa used to like run the moonshine mm -hmm. back and forth between where they were. Right. And they had the <laughs> scariest time of my life. Just saying was discovering the still and watching that thing overheat because my uncle was not watching it okay if you ever if you ever watch like old time old school right making the moonshine stuff but the reason that that was so familiar is you know my family had this interesting connection now we're not from there but I will tell you, I am 99.9% .9 sure of what grandma was doing with herbs and healing and rituals she got from her moonshine buddies, like over that way. I say over that way. I want to ask you this question because I really do believe that if we don't remember why we are even here as humans, See, it's so easy to forget that we are rugged and we are innovative. And if you are in Ozark territory, as grandma used to say, what she used to call, what she, she had a name. I can't, I can't remember what the name was. Really, just imagine the Southern draw and talking about the folk. She'd call them the folk. But here's what I want to ask you. 
they're in the middle of what some people would say, my Canadian friend would say, this is the way they talk about their country, in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. They're not close to the port, right? They're not like at the ocean with the boats and stuff. But when you are in that situation, you have to be innovative and creative. Can you talk to the fact, and you, you mentioned it here, but because of that location and because people were drawn there, didn't they have to go an extra mile just to survive, Brandon? Absolutely. Um, you know, the, some of the defining characteristics of Ozark folk magic and medicine traditions is that everything had to be gathered from the land, grown on the land, or repurposed from inside the household. Um, In a lot of cases, you had small families or clans that would settle on, uh, you know, down in a holler or up on a mountaintop or something like that, and they may not have another family nearby. Uh, You know, it may take a couple hours to get to the closest family on, and that's on a mule. (laughs) So you really, you know, these practices developed in isolation in the Ozark region, but they really developed an isolation based on families. So really, when we look at a lot of the practices, we can't say that, you know, this practice is what everybody in the Ozarks did, because it's not the case. Practices are based in in families. So I always like to say there are as many practices as there are practitioners. And so that that gives us a lot to work from, though, because everybody was constantly taking these practices and evolving them. Uh, and really, the the evolving practice was because you had to survive. Yeah. So if something didn't work, you tried something else. Um, if you know you couldn't find a certain plant that you needed because the winter was really bad and it didn't come up in the spring, then you had to be able to shift your focus and you had to know the other plants to use. Yeah. And so, yeah, Ozark people often, you know, get the sort of stereotype of the simple hillbilly, that sort of thing. But these people were ingenious in a lot of their processes. And just the way that people have historically repurposed things symbolically. So when we start talking about magical traditions, you know, repurposing brooms in the house, for instance, Uh, you know, a broom can sweep up dirt in your house, but it can also sweep illness off of a person or it can sweep evil out of the house or knives and axes, these sort of blades that can magically cut hexes or curses off of people, things like that. And so it, you know, back in, in Europe, um, in, in Britain specifically, you know, the healers in Southern Britain around Cornwall are sometimes called cunning folk. And, you know, I really like that. It doesn't pop up in the Ozarks very much, mm-hmm. but there is this understanding amongst Ozarkers that people with the gift or people with this power to heal are cunning people. And they are cunning people because they are able to figure out everything that needs to be done as a part of a ritual or just healing act. They're able to figure out all of the stuff that the rest of the community, community can't figure out. And so I always, you know, when I do workshops and classes and things like that, I always tell people, you know, from the outside, Ozark folk magic and healing isn't always a big show. Sometimes you don't even know a healer is healing uh, because they don't have any outward rituals or outward Mm -hmm. forms. But the outward simplicity hides a very complicated understanding of the world and process underneath. 
So I always tell people, you know, we embrace simplicity in the Ozarks, but we are not simplistic people (laughs) by any means. Yeah. One of the things I was really struck by, and I I just want to say, if you're just tuning in, Brandon is joining me here today, Brandon Weston. He's the author of the book that I have in front of me. The latest book is Ozark Mountains Bell Book. We're going to talk about that. And the other book is Ozark Folk Magic, which came out last year. But the point is, I have both of these together. I want to talk with you for a minute. I know you give a lot of credit to the indigenous people as we all should hello right i mean honestly we came over we brought disease over and they healed us i'm sorry i simplified that um but there's something you say in here in in this book and i really want you to talk to it it you talk about the ever-growing spell book and you really acknowledge the sophistication this is my word the sophistication, sophistication of ritual. And somehow in the world, we made magic and spell dirty words. But yet, they were so much part of what came forward. Um, Why did you call this in this part of the book, the ever growing spell book, because I know you must have been changed from writing this book, you must have discovered some stuff here. Now, I don't know if you want to give us your secrets. But it's like I knew you before you wrote the book. And then after you wrote the book, you're like, oh, I'm not done. Is that true? It's absolutely true. I mean, you know, like going back to just sort of the image of the Ozarker, traditionally, you know, people have called us primitive backwards, but they've also had this sort of, for a while around the turn of the 20th century, there was this sort of understanding that hill folk had this magic that no one really in town could understand. So people would send, you know, patients and people that needed healing out to the mountains to go find a granny woman or find somebody who knew things or had the gift or had the power. And so you know, there's been this sort of, you know, that the outer image doesn't always reflect the inner image. There's a, there's a famous Ozark saying that we always lie to strangers and it's not out of any sort of malice or anything like that. It's, it's a protection of the culture. Unless we get to know you, you know, we don't reveal everything about ourselves as a way of protecting this work. But to sort of talk about the ever-growing spell book, there's a there's a notion within Ozark folk healing practices that everything is constantly in motion. Yeah. Everything is constantly changing. As one of my healers told me, if it works, it works. And this is kind of people think this is a modern idea, you know, with internet culture and all of this, we have exposure to a lot of different traditions. But people sort of keep older traditions on a museum shelf. Yep. And they don't understand that people have always worked dynamically. People have always brought in other practices. You know, a healer might talk with a neighbor who knew some verbal charms or prayers, and they may say, well, why don't you pass me a few of those, and I'll give you some things that I know. And that has always been the case. Exactly. So the ever-growing spellbook for me is this idea that I am providing a sort of framework for, for people to work within, within the spell book. But I want people to take that and to evolve it. Yeah. I want people to take that and to talk with their families and incorporate in, you know, prayers and charms and recipes from their own families. I want people, so 
part of the work that I do is I go back to ancestral traditions. So for instance, one of my favorite plant groups to work with, which wasn't really worked with in the Ozarks are the Artemisias. So mugwort and wormwood. And those are cleansing plants. They are good for trance work for if you want to, you know, heal within sort of a soul trance spirit sort of thing. Um, and it's just, they're good for all sorts of stuff. So these would have been plants valued by my German and Scandinavian ancestors. And so that's a part of my ever growing spell book. I, I like bringing in these ancestral traditions. And so I always tell people, you know, this work isn't, it is, and it isn't formulaic. We have lots of formulas that we work within. Ozarkers are yeah, yeah. with magical timing and auspiciousness, yeah. but everything is done, as they say, in the spirit, which means connecting to your own source of inspiration and your own connection to the innate power of nature. So you may be working a ritual for somebody and you are led in the spirit to do something completely different than you were taught. And there, in within the Ozark context, there's a place for this spirit leading, and it's actually a very important foundational piece of this work. So the ever-growing spell book is my way of encouraging people to be led by their own inspiration, be led by their own spirit in this work. Yeah, I can't believe you brought up mugwort because I want it. We're going to go through this book, and we're going to talk about. What, we're, what we mean by magic theory, but we, we also need to talk about what we mean by Ozark magic theory, because there's a Southern folklore as well. And it's interesting. It depends on how far, you know, when I say South, you know, there are, there's the South that's by the coast, but then there's the other South that's not by the coast, right? So we like to lump things together, but they're not. You know, it's funny you brought mugwort up because that really was, I believe it's indigenous to where my folks really kind of like, you know, when you're looking at the West Virginia kind of deal over there, like over there in that part of the country, it's, it's there. But we never knew what was on her table. And she would talk about it, she would show it to us. But you know, we were young kids. I do know one thing for sure. When we went and spent time with grandma and grandpa, we were never sick. Mm-hmm. When we when my sister got her head court, no, wasp nest and got bit close to death grandma know what to do but my concern is that i can't lose this you know and i'm like you i know these rituals i use what my grandma passed on to me on both sides i i have got another grandma from south america that i found out nobody admitted it that was like another story but we learned these things I want to take a short break when we come back. I want to talk about this folklore. I want to talk about the power of it. And I got to tell you, I love both of your books. I love, I almost, I'm like, here's what I did. I was, I was, I was sending this back. I was like getting ready. I said, Linda, go, go get Kat at Llewellyn and tell them they got to, they got to give Brandon uh, publishing for cards, a deck of cards, because this is for me to have something like this that allows us to understand this. But boy, I'm reading this and I could remember my grandma getting nutmeg, the whole nutmeg. Seriously, 
And whenever there was an event coming up, like with the harvest or like they grew stuff, she would get that nutmeg, right? And she would just nutmeg. We all had to grind the nutmeg up. And then what she would do is a ritual on the land with it. Why? When we come back, we're going to tell people, but let's tell people how they get a copy of this book and how they find out more about you. Uh, because when we come back, I want to talk spells with you. How do we find out about you? There's so much on your website. I just love what you're doing, Brandon. I love it. So tell us about that. I, I have a website, ozarkhealing.com. That's where I put most of my information, especially for classes, upcoming classes and events, that sort of thing. There's also recordings of virtual classes for purchase on the website. Yes. Um, that, and that's the best way to get into contact me with me too. I've got a contact page on there, but I also have a Facebook Ozark Healing Traditions, an Instagram Ozar, at Ozark Healing Traditions, and a Twitter at Ozark okay. Healing. Can I ask you a question? I was looking at the upcoming, you have something April 23rd, uh, Divination and Diagnosis in Ozark Folk Magic. That's coming up in April. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, April okay. 23rd. Next, but it's uh, also April a Zoom, right? You can do it, it on Zoom. Right. It's a, it's a virtual class. And so all ticket holders will get a, a recording of the class. Oh, yeah, I'm all over it. So yeah, if you can't attend, you can still purchase a ticket and then it will be in the store as a recording later on as well. Okay, because this is really, I love that you're sharing and then you've got something in May. The mm -hmm. one I'm really interested in, I got to tell you when we come back, I want to tell you the one I'm really interested in. I can't wait to do it. But why did grandma, why did she do this nutmeg? You know, like, what did she do with it? And why'd she do it? When we come back, we're going to get some secrets from Brandon. Again, go to the website, lots of information. But here's what I want to say to all of you. How was it these traditions were passed on, especially between the Yozak region and what some people call Southern folk, but it's not the, not the coastline Southern. It's like more in. So do you think maybe they swapped out moonshine for secrets? Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back. Sometimes being human has its challenges. Our physical health falters, our spirits sag, our dreams don't immediately come to fruition. Welcome to the power of Maximum Medicine Radio. Join me, Doc Martin, in conversations that will blow your mind about healing. In our hit show, Doc Martin addresses the scientific with bridging to the mystical approaches to give you a new narrative about maximum medicine. In this live call-in show, we will journey into the extraordinary genius of the human body and talk about other beliefs that impact being your multidimensional self. We seek the seen and the unseen and explore the earthbound and the otherworldly, all with the purpose of calling forth the maximum you. To learn more about Doc Martin and Maximum Medicine, visit www.SharonMartinMD.com. Do you get stuck in that someday attitude, living the same day over and over again with no action? The Becoming You Show, big ideas that inspire, impact, and influence your life with Leah Rowling is for you. Tune in every Friday at 11 a.m. Central on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This show will have you feeling inspired to take action with purpose and intention. For more information and to get in touch with me, visit www.LeahRowling.com. What could you achieve if you knew someone was going to ask about your progress every week? 
Accountability matters. Small corrections and check-ins with your goals can lead to big results in your business without you feeling overwhelmed. Success Magnified owner Mary Gall provides entrepreneurs a system of goal setting and accountability to create clarity about where you are now, your future direction, and the most effective way to get there. Book your free call at successmagnified.com today. You are made for more. I'm Coach Lisa, and I'm here to help you achieve ultimate life satisfaction. Your life matters to the world. Reimagine your future with an individualized life by design approach with my free ebook, The Five C's of Coaching Commitment, Clarity, Coachable, Creative, and Change. Find the transformation you're looking for. Go to lisabeltz.com. That's L Y S A B E L T Z.com. Day-to-day living can be difficult in our world today. Most of us don't know how to live a peaceful, joy-filled existence. Learn how to break through these barriers and live a transformative life on Love and Light with me, Dr. Lisa, every day living in peace, every second and fourth Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. To work with Dr. Lisa, visit EducationThroughEngagement.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back. I'm so thrilled to have you all meet Brandon. And by the way, I know this is one of the books we're talking about today, the spell book. However, however, I must say, we're also talking about this. I'm going to weave in everything together. And the reason I weave them together is because if you look at this book, this is Ozark uh, Folk Magic plants, prayers, and healings. This book here I had on my desk for a while, and I pull this out because there's so much in here that Brandon has put in everything about astrology, everything about the basics for Ozark Ozark healings, but also there are things in here that if you think about the practices of things, then what starts to happen is you start to practice them. And when you start to practice them, it is good to get your practice tools from somebody like Brandon, who's like telling you this is the way it works. This is the healer in their work. This is what you do. This is Ozark, Ozark doctoring, right? This is the way they go about it. This is how you gain power. And he, when you put the two books together, this is how we learn to be empowered in what comes from the earth and what comes from rituals passed on and what has been used by generation and generation of indigenous people. I'm just learning about that side of my family and the indigenous nature of that. Um, Now, again, you can go to, I would just encourage everybody to go take a look at what Brandon's got going on. You can go over to his website, which is Ozark Healing. Did I get that right? Ozark Ozarkhealing.com. Yep. And when you go over there, it's like I said, there are upcoming classes. The class that I looked at, I looked at them all, but there's really kind of an interesting class that he's doing in, in June as well. And that's Ozark Astrology Magic. And I'm going to tell you why I'm so excited about that in a minute. But before I do, I got to ask you, what did grandma know about that nutmeg? Because she knew something about that nutmeg, right? So nutmeg is actually one of these crossovers between the Ozarks and Southern folk magic, specifically 
what we call Southern root work conjure hoodoo, um, which are traditions that are heavily influenced from Black communities, from yep. West African folk magic, um, as well as mixture of European and Indigenous magic as well. Nutmeg in the Ozarks is usually used in its whole form as a good luck charm, almost yep. like a buckeye nut. Yep. You know the buckeye. Totally. Um, so people would would carry them around as sort of worry stones, um, rubbing stones. Grandpa yeah. did them as a rubbing rubbing. It's not a stone, but you know yeah. what I mean, a nut. But the idea is that as you rub it, the good luck comes off. Yep. And uh, I've seen it with specifically with people that gamble a lot, things like that. They'll have these Buckeye nuts or they'll have the nutmeg. But even sort of greater than that, it has this connection to prosperity. And I have a theory that it goes back to availability of spices in, you know, the 18th century, 16th, 17th century. The idea that, you know, spices were things that rich people had. Uh, poor people didn't have a lot of spices in their house. So nutmeg was one of those that, you know, in the Ozarks, especially up until, you know, pharmacies started coming around in these little towns, people didn't really have spices. They had to use plants that they could gather. And in the event that they got spices, they would treasure them. They would honor them. And so nutmeg is one of those that has this place of honor as a sort of connection to prosperity, connection to fortune, connection to good luck. And so from, from an Ozark context, I, I would say, you know, the spreading the nutmeg on the fields or whatever is this idea of connecting to prosperity. You know, we were so prosperous and fortunate this year. Let us be just as fortunate next year. And, you know, I mean, you, my grandma um, had crippling, crippling arthritis, and I've never seen anything like it. She could hardly walk, um, and the doctors couldn't do anything. The very fact that she was alive and could function was because of her knowledge, right? If you watched her daily ritual, I couldn't tell you what she put together. I couldn't tell you the tea she was drinking. I couldn't tell you the oil she made, right? But I will tell you, that was the ritual that I think kept her alive as long as she did. Um, and, you know, this is what you're bringing to the forefront. I want to ask you this question. There's so much to talk about in both of the books. But I want to know, when you finished writing, there had to be a few surprises for you. There had to be a couple of things you found that you thought, what? I, I don't know that I knew that. What's on your top three list of like, the education of Brandon. Well, I think the most surprising thing, I think number one for me was just the fact that I had this gift in me as well. Uh, when I started the project that would eventually become Ozark Folk Magic, it looked completely different. I was coming at it from an academic folklore, folklorist standpoint. And as I was collecting information and things, I, I had an interview with an older lady who ended up being my one of my principal teachers who passed me a lot of things. And we were talking about something and she would always get kind of annoyed with me and, and stop and we'd have to change conversation because we would get into some heavy things. And so she just stopped me at one point and she said, why are you talking like you're not a part of this? Oh. And it was just like something in my mind clicked. And 
after that, I started approaching things in a different way. I started collecting for my own practice, for my own personal development, spiritual development, magical development, whatever you want to call it. And so that was kind of the most surprising thing for me was just, you know, the realization that I am not just somebody on the outside looking in on a culture. I'm a part of this culture. I'm a part of this process. And so that the connection to these ancestral spirits, the connection to the land, all of this is sort of in me as well. But there have been other things too. I I was, you know, for a long time under the impression that, you know, what the folklorists gave to us in the 30s and 40s was this snapshot of a culture that's still around today. And unfortunately, that's just not the case. Mm -hmm. Um, But a surprise this culture, you know, a lot of the traditions we can see, you know, we can call them dead traditions, whatever we want to call them, but they are alive and evolved. This isn't a museum, ex- you know, exhibit. This is a living culture. And it may look different from the past, but that's actually a good thing. It's good that these traditions evolve because we're constantly questioning the effectiveness of these traditions. And just like my Ozark ancestors, you know, if it didn't work, you threw it out. And if something else worked, you brought it in and replaced it. So that was a surprise for me, the idea that healers and magical practitioners worked so dynamically they didn't necessarily always have a set ritual for everything. They, a lot of times, would interview their patients or clients, and they would develop processes and remedies and rituals for that person for a specific time. And that is probably the third surprising yeah. thing for me, the idea that everything has a moment. To everything, there is a season, that yeah. sort of mentality the idea that one you know a ritual that you do for one person might not work for another person yeah right so that goes back to that idea of cunning being able to figure out a situation for an individual rather than just parroting ritual you know it's i love i love for me as i went through the book I, i i looked at something in particular and it explained why grandma despite how crippling her arthritis was, was an expert sewer. She sewed and why she sewed things in grandpa's clothes. And there was a part in your book where you talked about heart protection. I think that, please correct me if I'm wrong, Um, but you talk about this heart protection where you actually use certain colors like red and then you cut grandma was doing that stuff all the time. I can't even tell you why. Uh, But now I read the book and I thought, oh, okay, so this is what she did. She sewed stuff in each of the girls clothes, us girls, three girls, she would sew stuff, she put them inside. And she would say to us, it's so you can remember me. But now I know, no, that's not what she was doing. Right. So let's talk about this particular protection or spell or whatever you want to call it. but grandma would take out that she would just get that needle and that thread out and she would cut something out of something she had and boy she made these patchwork quilts too but they were different and so what did grandma know probably got it from the ozarks 
but she knew something and it became her ritual for us kids. You know, it goes back to this idea of repurposing and simplicity. You know, like I said earlier, a lot of times with Ozark folk healers and, and magical practitioners, you won't even know they are practicing. And so many rituals for healing and magical purposes, just to comment on that, you know, in the old days, everything was healing. And if you were healing, it doesn't matter whether you were healing a fever or somebody's luck or somebody's love, it was all considered healing. So today I say healing and magical practices as though they're different, but they're really not. They're just all for the same sort of purpose. But so many of these rituals were paired alongside mundane things. So I've met, you know, granny women. I've met people that still do, they, they sew up patches and clothes and things like that. And there's an intention behind this. There's an intention behind the colors that they choose. Or sometimes I've encountered uh, in one case where I got the heart protection charm, the the woman I interviewed, she made these little hearts out of red fabric usually, and she sewed them in the usually the the breast pocket of a jacket that yep. was her heart as a as a protection, not just for illnesses, but also magical what we would call magical protection that sort of thing. And in a lot of cases, they become very customized. So people would take embroidery thread and do embroider the initials of the person and their birth date. And so this is a sympathetic connection to identifying the individual, that sort of thing. But, you know, it's even just in patches, you know, patching up a person's clothing, maybe, you know, if it's, if it's somebody that's kind of down on their luck, or maybe they, you know, fall a lot, maybe they're clumsy, you might use a green fabric or a yellow fabric for good luck, for prosperity, that sort of thing to kind of give them a little pick me up. If it's somebody that's, you know, hard in love, maybe you sew in a little red patch or something in their clothes. Um, Likewise, if it's somebody you don't like, maybe you sew in a black patch on their clothes as a sort of keep away from me sort of, sort of thing. And so a lot of these rituals are sort of hidden behind day-to-day processes, which makes it really hard to collect unless you are physically working with the person and they can explain this stuff. Because from the outside, you know, if you walk in and you're looking for healing practices and you see somebody sweeping out their house, you may not take any notice of it. But underneath that, you don't know the prayers and verbal charms that they're saying, or just the act of, you know, in the Ozarks, if you're cleansing out your house, you always sweep from the front door to the back door. And then you sweep all the dust out your back door as a sort of way of getting rid of all of this stuff. And so, but from the outside, if you, if you didn't really sit down and talk with the people, you wouldn't really know that any of this was going on. It it would be hidden behind all of these processes. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I was reading your book and I was thinking to myself, especially with my sister and the bee thing the wasp thing. And I just, I just had a flashback. I know what grandma mixed together. It was snuff or tobacco, right? And how did I remember that? Okay. I remembered that because she did that. And then we got a hold of the snuff and us three girls and the Giles boys went down to the railroad track and we were doing like the snuff, right? And somebody saw us and we all got called out in Sunday service by the pastor. And I remember this. I just remembered this now. I mean, 
you have to understand what kind of church this was. It was the only church in town. It was people of all colors, all didn't matter. We all went to the same place. It was real gospel revival. And, you know, like if you cheated on your wife, you had to go up front and he performed like a ritual. And the rituals, a lot of times that they performed were deeply uh, seated in what you and I are talking about today. But I remember this because myself, my sister, Doris, Joyce, and me, and the Giles boys, got called up in front of the church, scariest time of my life, scariest time of my life. And he was just nuts. And my grandma stood up and I don't know exactly what she said, but somehow it had to do with curing the bee thing. So we got out of that. But you see, my point is this, this was not unusual. This was the way people live, Brandon. And I think that's what we're talking about today. You know, in our society, we treat this as different. But my grandma, my grandpa, the Giles boys, their parents, it didn't matter. People from this very small town, they just lived like this, right? I mean, that's my, that's what I take away from both of these books that I have and the way you're writing about it. This is just a way of life, right? It is. It's a it's a living tradition, and it's, it's sort of it, it's intimately connected to this sort of worldview that, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think it, in collecting a lot of remedies and things like that from older folks, older generations around here, there's this mm-hmm. sort of connection to the good old days, and you know we have to kind of realize that first of all, the good old days weren't always good for everyone. <laughs> Um, and, and especially in, in the Ozarks and in the South. Oh. And we have an opportunity today to really build upon our cultural heritage while still making amends with, you know, the people that we have wronged and also being able to envision a future where these practices have evolved and people don't feel so weird about this being a culture that they can identify with. Mm. And so, you know, one of the things that I, you know, with the books and everything, I I went back and forth about whether I wanted to publish a lot of this stuff. And my reasoning behind publishing it was this culture for the most part has gone into a sort of lull. I won't say it's completely dead, but there are so many people today that live in the Ozarks that have Ozark ties that don't know any of this stuff was around ever at all. And so my goal with publishing this stuff is really to revitalize the culture, to bring this back to the forefront. And in that process, like you said, you know, the idea of separating out people because of their practices and things like that. I want this to be, you know, a part of people's lives, but something that people can be proud of, something that people can honor. I know for me, you know, growing up talking to relatives and stuff like that wasn't always so fun. But I'm to the point now where I regret not having the opportunity to talk to them. I mean, imagine what I could have gained from that experience. So I always encourage people to talk to their family, first of all, collect stories, collect everything, even if it's mundane. Uh, Because like I said, especially in the Ozarks, but this is kind of cross-culturally, you know, Practices in folk magic and folk healing are often hidden behind normal day-to-day things. So it kind of takes talking to people sometimes in order to get this stuff. And so that's really where I am today. 
you know, bringing this stuff out of the stereotypical sort of hillbilly image, bringing it to a place where we can actually analyze traditions, analyze things that we want to bring with us into the future and things that we want to leave behind as a part of the folk record. Yeah. That's okay to do. You know, there's, I mentioned this in the book, there are plants that have traditionally been used in the Ozarks for healing purposes yeah. that I do not recommend anymore because <laughs> there, there has been research done, scientific research done, and, and they are harmful. <laughs> They're, you know, poisonous if you don't know what you're doing with it. Exactly. And, you know, that's the key point, you know, I certainly would never try to recreate what I saw grandma and grandpa do because I just don't know. But I do remember that they knew the difference, right? And they, you know, they never thought really to share it or publicize it. This was really a survival mode for them in so many ways. Um, I wanted to ask you, I know we've got a few minutes left, but this was a big part of our culture growing up as kids. And it's, it was dreaming. Mm -hmm. Now, they didn't always say dreaming. But we would talk a lot about dreams, we would talk and I'm not just I mean, I mean, this level of consciousness and what the messages were. And my grandma would talk about things that came forth and spirits that came forth. Isn't that also a very large part of the culture as well? Talking story from, what did she call them? Visions. She would mm -hmm. call them visions, not dreams, right? But isn't this part of the culture? Absolutely. Uh, you know, Ozark culture, we are storytelling people. And, you know, it's interesting to look at how sort of fantasy and reality blend a lot of times. And of course, you know, especially old timers, you know, they may be telling a story that seems very far-fetched, seems very fantastical, but they're completely serious about their experience. And so there's this line that's sometimes blurred between fiction and nonfiction in our storytelling. The idea that experiences with the other world can sometimes be very mundane. Um, there's, as a part of sort of a foundational belief in the Ozarks, there's this idea that the other world is constantly present on top of and mirroring our own world. And because of that, it means that you can be walking through the forest and all of a sudden be in the other world and you don't even know it. Mm -hmm. And I think the Ozarks is one of these unique areas where that is still a part of our, not only our storytelling culture, but sort of our day-to-day -day culture, especially in rural areas. Certain times of the year, you still have old timers in 2022 saying, be careful because the veil is thin tonight, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and sincerely mean it. You know, this idea that it, uh, times of the year, the veil can be thin and you can wander into the other world and not come back. You can be taken away by spirits or the little people who are the fairies, Ozark fairies. And so I think- We didn't even talk about that story. That, yeah, that's a whole other- That's era. a whole show. We can yeah. do a whole show on that. That's like, that's uh, some good stuff, right? Yeah. But traditionally, Ozark healers, magical practitioners- a, a huge source of inspiration and power has come from the other world. In the old days, healers often had to mask their 
their traditions behind uh, piety. So sometimes they would say that angels visited them and gave them remedies and things like that. These days, you know, amongst neo-traditionalist practitioners, it's uh, even older folks who are neo-traditionalist practitioners. It's this, you know, there's a comfortableness with saying spirits, land spirits, little people, things like that. Um, But I still encounter today, you know, praying grannies, who have angels that come and sit beside them and tell them the words to pray over a person and things like that. So the line between visions and dreams are some is sometimes just as blurred as the line between the mortal world and the other world in the Ozarks. Yeah. It sort of all blends together. And I actually get this question a lot because I talk about dreams and people always ask, do you mean a dream or do you mean trance? And I, my answer is always yes, <laughs> because exactly in the Ozarks, from an Ozark standpoint, a, a vision you have while you're in and out of sleep in a field on a summer day is just as deep and developed as a dream you have while you're asleep. Yeah. You know, I, I have members of my own family who have the sight, the second sight. And so occasionally they'll be just sitting there and just have a vision of something. Exactly. And these are all referred to as dream as vision. Yeah. I got to tell you the hardest thing for my dad who New Yorker, true and true, married my stepmom, of course, not a New Yorker. Um, it was so hard to see my sisters really struggle being taken from this beautiful place and put in, in, in New York City. I mean, it was really difficult for them. But one of the most important things I remember from all of this is my dad's frustration with how my mom and my grandma talked to all of us about honoring the vision. To this day, you know, she taught us the practice of visioning in the day and seeing your future. And my dad, Catholic through and through, my stepmom finally just told him, honey, you just need to shut up. <laughs> that was my, that, yeah, you want to be living with me, you just need to stop it and let the girls develop the way they do. And that's really what, you know, I hear you bring him forth is you're giving people a connection that probably they can't logically pinpoint. But as I'm reading the book, intuitively, you're right there. And I think that's beautiful. I want to ask you this, uh, please give out your website. And then what's your personal message, Brandon? What do you want to leave us with today? Thank you so much for all of this. Thank you for having me. It's been great. My website is ozarkhealing.com. Uh, I have classes posted there. It's also a good way to get in contact me, with me if you have any questions or want to learn more. Um, and really, you know, the message I have to people is, you know, we often get stuck in the big T, the capital T traditions, and we forget about how important it is for us to work dynamically, not at just as healers and magical practitioners, but just as humans existing in this world, you know, there's been this image about the Ozarkers as being lazy. And it's not, it's not that we're lazy. We just understand the importance of sitting and being quiet and being present in the moment. So that's the message I have. Be present in the moment, be present with your traditions that change and be present with family and friends who you know you can collect stories from collect remedies from all of this other stuff be present with them um, before it's too late 